0: Pray with me. Our Father, and our God, in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, we anticipate thy word once again in this week. Lord, as we are about to open thy, the pages of thy living and holy word, we pray that thou wouldst help each and every one of us to open the pages of our heart so that which we read can be transferred and written into the tables of our hearts. Use this servant to glorify thyself. May thy word be clear, and may all praise, honor, and glory be to thee and thee alone. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Loved ones, the scripture that's on my heart this uh, evening is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, just a few verses, but I'd like to encourage you to read with me if you wish. Hebrews chapter number 11, beginning with verse number 8. Hebrews eleven eight. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, Dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. This week, as I have been pondering the theme that's uh, been the center of this week to commit our way into the Lord, as I thought about this and listened to the many, many thoughts that have been shared since Sunday evening until this moment, it just occurs to me that this word, this part of the verse, is as a call. Commit thy way unto the Lord. It's, it's a call from God. It's, if Maybe we could say it this way. It's a call that is a part of the call. And when I say the call, I'm referring to that which comes from God, that has been coming from the dawn of creation to this very moment, the call of God from his heart to the hearts of men and women. And so this this evening, I have the burden in my heart is to speak about the call of God. And first to our dear friends, to those who do not know Jesus Christ, who have not been born again, to you and as well as to my brothers and sisters, to the non-Christian and to the church of the last days. I have a few thoughts in my heart that God has placed regarding the call, and I hope and pray that as we go through this, look at some of the scriptures that the Lord will be able to speak to us, and we might be able to consider the implications of the call of God. First, to our friends. I have to go back to Eden. I'm not sure where else I would begin. But there in the garden, when our first parents roamed the beautiful paradise that God had created there, there was no need for a call from God. There was no place to leave. They were where they were supposed to be, not only in the Garden of Eden, we might think of it that way, but in fellowship with God. Because the Bible suggests when it speaks about the Lord walking through the garden in the cool of the day, it suggests that this was not the very first time that happened. And so there in Eden, our first parents, as they worked the garden, as they were in the garden, as they were enjoying and doing the things that their creator wanted from them, there was no need for a call. But You and I know that the time came where, I'm not sure if it was days, weeks, or months later after the creation, when a very simple but very clear commandment was disobeyed. Eve was deceived, Adam disobeyed. And through their mutual disobedience to God, the Lord drove them out of the garden And as he drove them out of the garden and guarded the garden, the east entrance there with the cherub, it just seems to me that from that time onward, from that time forward, the call of God has begun to go out, to go forward. Days and weeks turned into months and years. The population, I'm sure, of the planet must have rapidly grown, Cities were built, eventually nations were formed, empires have come, empires have gone. And the call of God continued to roll down through the years, throughout the ages, the call of God. I'm sure throughout much of that time, at least from our perspective, it seems that the call of God may have been weak or maybe not well understood or heard. And yet, in Romans chapter 1, it says, that which might be known of God, they did know some things, the ancient world. So there were things that they were aware of just by, well, we read this in Psalm 19. In Psalm 19, David recounts how God had been, in essence, not only speaking through his creation, but in a, in, in a manner of um of actually a call, calling to the attention of men and women that are on the earth to realize that there is a creator, there is a God, their God, the one who calls them to come back. And so as the years went by, the call continued, and I believe it continued to grow. And then it was focused on a man named Abraham. We have just read about him here, the Bible says that by faith, when he was called out to go to a place which he should later on receive as an inheritance, he obeyed. So by faith, Abraham obeyed the call of God. Now, Abraham was chosen by God to be the, the individual, the man of faith, chosen by God to be at the fountainhead, if you will, of the nation of Israel, which now is a very ancient nation. But it began with a man named Abraham. And down through the lineage of Isaac and Jacob, God had chosen this people, this nation of Israel, and he set his love on them, the Bible tells us, and he chose to work through them and with them. And so much of what we read in the Old Testament is concerning the nation of Israel and its people and how God has worked with them because they were the chosen people of God. Now, while the Heavenly Father set His love on Israel, it does not mean that His love was exclusively for Israel. And though God had decided to work through them and take through the, 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 use the element of time, the passing of time, there was no instant kingdom in the plan of God. He, He deliberately chose to use the unfolding of the years and decades and generations in order to unfold His plan of salvation. And though it was centered on Israel, it does not mean that God never had it in his heart for the Gentile world. There is hints of that. Well, Even in the very beginning when God called Abraham, he told him that in thy seed all nations shall be blessed. And so this was already in the heart of God that his love would, would go out to all the world. His call would go out to all the world, and, and I'm thinking now of the, uh, Psalm of the Cross, Psalm number 22, and, and here we find uh, David, uh, writing words like these, All the ends of the world shall remember and turn into the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nation shall worship before thee. God had the entire planet, the entire population on his heart. Later on, a few hundred years later, we would find Isaiah, um speaking something very similar because it's from the same spirit of God in Isaiah 45:22 look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else and so throughout the old testament while it is so uh, focused on Israel we see glimpses that God's heart was not only for Israel though he was chose to work through Israel and so the years continue to roll and the call of God continued to go out, often through the prophets of God, the prophets of Israel, and later on the prophets of Judah. And and God they would speak as they were moved by the Spirit of God and, and they were speaking the the will of God and, and, and the heart of God and they were explaining that. And, but yet to a certain degree you might say that it was it was perhaps a bit hard for some to understand. Though there was enough evidence, and though there was enough um of God's work. When the apostle Paul explained this when he was, uh, in his, one of his missionary journeys, he put it this way, Acts 8, uh, 14 verse 17, nevertheless, he left not himself without witness and that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. God's blessings, his, 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 his generosity, continue to be poured out among all the nations. And that in itself would be a a witness to his existence that men and women ought to seek after the living God, the God who created them. And then in the fullness of time, why then, I could not say. All I can say is that it's when God said it was time. He sent his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus, and his son came for the express purpose of declaring the love of God, The will of God, the word of God. In fact, the Bible tells us that he is the word of God. And so when the scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 that he is the express image of God, it is because that he is the clear expression. Those things that may have not have been so clear over the previous centuries of time were now going to be made very clear through Jesus Christ. And he did. He, he, He was very clear even if he would have never spoken a word his actions, his behavior, his deeds, his miracles, the, the 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 love and the compassion that he showed spoke volumes. But then the truth, when he opened his mouth and he spoke, spoke on behalf of his father, the word of God came out and God was expressing himself and clarifying himself so that people like common people like you and I would understand what he wants from us. And we would then could hear the call of God in clearer tones. We could then understand in, in, a, in, a, in a better way what God was asking. I'm, I'm, I cannot help but uh, think of Matthew chapter 11 when the Lord Jesus had this to say, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they committed their sin, Maybe it was the next day. Maybe it was that very evening. God came walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And now we've, there we find the first call of God recorded in the scripture when he asked, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And Adam, we know because of his sin, was ashamed and he had fear. And sin, my dear friend, always brings shame and fear, either immediately or in time. Be sure of this, that a part of the harvest of sin is fear and shame. It's always been that way, and it was that way with Adam. And there are those who, perhaps even this evening, struggle with the shame of their sin. There may be those here with us And I I know, I believe there are many who struggle with the fear of uncertainty and trying to understand uh, what they will do with their life. Because there are things, they may be things that they deeply regret. Now when the Lord Jesus said, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, those that are burdened with their sin. We have a responsibility, and I have a responsibility this evening, And I joyfully but gladly want to share with you that you are called by God. You are being called by God. Whether you have realized it or not, you are called by God. Now, throughout this week, certainly. This moment, yes. But even the other 51 weeks a year that you're at home and the brothers are laboring in the pulpit back home, Those brothers, as they share God's word, you are being called by God. God wants you to come, my dear friend. Have you considered your need of the Savior? There are many who realize they have a need. There are many who realize that they are in a hole. And some, because things look so dark to them, they're not sure where to go. And and our heart breaks for those who make wrong choices in that moment of realization that they've gotten themselves to a place that they cannot help themselves any longer. Yes, you are called. I've talked to many over the years, and there have been those who have told me that they don't feel that God has called them. God calls, God has been calling, God is calling. But perhaps they're waiting for something spectacular or they're, they're expecting there's going to be some unusual experience. They may have heard an experience from somebody else who had some, perhaps an audible voice or some very difficult experience they went through and then they knew that God called them. But my dear friend, I want to encourage you, don't wait for that. God's word is being shared. God is speaking to you now. It's the word of God that, that, that we are reading and we're sharing together and and and. When he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Loved ones, understand God is calling you. Yes, some have told me, I don't feel like God has called me. Others have told me that, I don't think it's my time. I'm not sure what they mean by that. I I think it's kind of a subset of the first thing where they're expecting something unique and spectacular to happen to convince them that God is interested in them. No, God is calling you now. And you know, I'm... To be perfectly honest, I'm less concerned about if you will answer the call of God this moment, this day, or even this week. I'm much more concerned if you would understand that you would understand the 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 depth of the commitment that is needed when a soul answers the call of God. We need to answer, my dear friend, like Abraham answered. The Bible tells us here in Hebrews chapter eleven when we we were reading. When it speaks about when God called Abraham, it tells us that Abraham went out by faith. And he he went out to a place he's never been before. But it was a total commitment. And this is the the point I wish to emphasize, my dear friend. It is a total commitment. It wasn't like Abraham was going five miles down the road and then he can kind of go back and forth through the next several weeks and visit his family and so forth. No, when he he packed his bags and he left with what was probably a large uh, gathering, he was a wealthy man, He left knowing he's never going back. He's never going back. He's never returning to where he came from. He started off in the Ur of the Chaldees, then on to Haran. But when God called him repeatedly and he answered the call of God and he left his people, it was a complete commitment. It was a total commitment. This is what God was asking him. And he obeyed not knowing even what it would look like at the other end of the road. But he obeyed God. And my dear friend, I want to encourage you that this is the way that we must answer the call of God. Perhaps in your heart throughout this week, you have felt something in your heart. Perhaps in your mind, in your thoughts, you are thinking, and and this occurs to you that something, something needs to change in my life. Something isn't settled. Some, I need something different. I need something more. And I'm not exactly sure what. I just know that where I'm at right now, I cannot stay here. Well, praise God. God is speaking to you. God's spirit is is nudging you and and getting your attention. And and you need to understand that God is calling you, that you would respond to him. But perhaps on the other hand, you have uh, no feeling, and no special feeling in your heart. Perhaps you don't have these types of thoughts that uh, maybe God is speaking to me uh, today or this week. Perhaps you're just enjoying life. It could be a matter of having a lot of fun. It could be a matter of being very preoccupied could be a matter that everything seems to be going, you know, executing your plan. It's going well in your life. Maybe, maybe not. But maybe you don't have no thoughts of God at all. But God is calling you too, my dear friend, who has no interest or is not even right now on their radar that maybe I should do something about my relationship with God. God is calling you as well. When he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, he means that. He wants you to come to him. You are called. We need to answer like Abraham. I want to encourage our dear friends that when we emphasize the importance of understanding the depth of the commitment, and I I liked what the brother shared with us a little bit earlier today about a commit being here in cursive, written on the line as a signature. Yes, when we make this, this full commitment to the Lord... It's not something that you need to come up with the strength and the resources yourself in order to keep that commitment. This is, not the, this is not how it works. The commitment is yours to make. You need to make that to the Lord. God provides the grace. God provides the grace to enable you to help you to follow you through. He leads us to the path of repentance. The goodness of God leads man to repentance, the Bible tells us. So my dear friend, I just want to urge you to understand what this is, this call of God, it is for you, it is now. I, I, Even though I just said a moment ago that I'm not as concerned about when you'll answer that call as much as you, that you understand what is, reco- what is the, the depth of that uh, commitment that is needed. But having said that, I also have to add that I don't know how many more calls you will have and neither do you. And so I would strongly encourage you that if you are feeling the call of God that you would answer that call it is from God. We have to do with a living God. It's not an invitation that comes in the mail. And, and I'm sure the word invitation is adequate uh, when we speak of the call of God. It includes an invitation, but, but God's call includes so much more. And so my dear friend, I want to encourage you to consider you are being called by God this moment, this week, this day, and we urge you and we plead with you knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. It is the love of God that is extended to you. But if you should choose otherwise, one day you face the wrath of God. And after that, there is no remedy. It is today, not tomorrow. It is today that you must respond. Dear brothers and sisters, as we speak of the call of God to our dear friends, we should also consider that we live, uh, we, it has been noted so many times, and not just this week, but even back home in our churches, we, uh, we understand that we live in, in the last days. I don't know of any brother or sister who thinks otherwise. Uh, at, at a minimum, we can agree that we live far closer to the last days than any other age before us, any other age of the Christian church. We live in the last days, and, and we are also being called... Yes, we have answered the call of God, but but as we can draw closer to the word of God and and, and consider these things, we realize that God is calling with greater detail and clarity as to what he is calling us unto. And there are many scriptures in the New Testament that speak about the call of God and, and describe in many ways. There are three in particular that I'd like to, three aspects in particular I'd like to bring to our attention as an encouragement for us, because... We you know we reflected a little bit here and there this past week about what it was like under COVID, and probably back home in our churches we've all thought about that and talked about it and and um, we we realized how disturbing it was that things changed so rapidly overnight and so uh, not just rapidly but drastically and and the one brother said recently at the meeting was that we don't know that the next time it's going to be another health crisis it could be a different type of crisis and are we in our churches really prepared for that and and I just would like to I, I feel. Uh, from some of the messages that were shared this week, a burden in my heart that we as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we will be prepared and equipped for these last days that we live in. And so the call of God comes to us as well. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Notice this, verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. In all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Brothers and sisters, there is a call to holiness. A call to holiness. In the present age that we live in. You know, when we heard earlier this week about how the Lord said, because iniquity shall abound. Iniquity is lawlessness. It is when there is a disregard for authority. It is when... People, every man is doing that which is right in their own eyes. It's Judges 21 all over again, but in the 21st century version, uh, 21st century version of that. And this is the world that we live in. And, and, and the Apostle Paul would prophesy by the Spirit of God, he says, it will be a, 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 you live life at your peril. It's a dangerous time to live in. But if we are to be prepared for that and to understand this, I think one of the things we should understand is that our call is to holiness, that we would not be swept up with the things of this world. That we would not live lives of compromise as we try to love the things of the world and the things of God at the same time. And John, in his very plain speech, tells us that if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So a call to holiness is truly, I believe, a call to love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because that type of love that complete dedication, that complete commitment of my God, this heart I bring to thee as gift for thee design. Thou dost demand my heart of me, this I keep well in mind. So easy to sing that beautiful hymn uh, before laying on a hands uh, in on a baptism weekend. Yes, but doing that, brothers and sisters, it was not just a matter of our first commitment and our first coming to Christ, but to remain in this and to answer the call of God, it is a call to holiness. It is loving him with everything. It is, as he says here, in all manner of conversation of our conduct and behavior. And there's a scripture that also speaks about a call that goes along with this point of we are called to holy living. Second Corinthians chapter 6. L- let's consider these verses that we have probably are familiar with. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. In Revelation chapter 17 and 18, we read about the the, the coming the prophecies of the coming doom of Babylon. And you know, it's interesting to read and, and to consider uh, what does Babylon, Babylon represent? What, what is meant or referred to here in, in uh, Revelation 18 about the coming destruction and the fall of Babylon? And I, I thought about that, and that you, you, you may be aware that there have been many different thoughts. Uh, if you had gone, turned the clock back 150 years, uh, many of the Protestant preachers would have said, well, this is without a doubt the Roman Catholic Church. And the reason they said it is because of all the the, the, the blood of the martyrs that the, that church has spilled down throughout the ages. And because of the heresies that, they, that were issued in the edicts that were coming out of uh, the Vatican, for them it was a no-brainer. This is nothing else but the Roman Catholic Church. They identified Revelation 18 with the Vatican. And this was consensus almost. But then time has gone by. And um, they no longer seem to wield the same power that they once did a, a century or so back. Now there are many other uh, rec- uh, suggestions as to what Babylon actually is in Revelation 18. Is it that in Iraq they're going to rebuild the city and that's going to somehow become a great uh, metropolis that is described in Revelation Revelation 18? Some think it's the city of Rome. Some say it might be America. And, and you know, Revelation 18 says that there's a time where God says leave, and so. I'll tell you this, that when it comes to geography, I have no doubt. Should I be living at that time? I believe that God, through his spirit, will make it crystal clear if we need to leave someplace and go another place. But I think he would make that clear. But, you know, I think to myself, more fundamentally, while it's interesting to think about who Babylon is in Revelation 18, what about today? We live in a modern, electronic Babylon. And the Bible, when the Lord says, come out from among them, We know, we balance that against what the Lord Jesus prayed in John 17. He says, Lord, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil that's in the world. And so if we're to be kept from the evil that's in this world, and we're to come up, but he says, don't touch the unclean thing. Loved ones, have we considered, brothers and sisters, there are a lot of unclean things that surround us. I don't just refer to the internet. But yes, I would say that YouTube is a great place to find unclean things. I'm not saying we could never go there, but we, I would say that we, if we are called by God to a life of holiness, we need to be serious about this. We need to recognize that it doesn't work to sit on two chairs. We have been called to a life of holiness. That means loving God with everything, which means we cannot love the world at all. That means our heart is devoted to the will of God. And the scripture says, come out. And then he goes on to say here, having therefore these promises. What promises? When he says, I will receive you if you do this. If you come out from among them and you don't touch the unclean things, I will receive you. I will be your father. You will be my children. Now he goes on. Having therefore these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The church of the latter days. Not the Latter-day Saints. The church of the last days, let me say it that way. The church of Jesus Christ really ought to be the same as the church of the first century, I suppose. But the church in the last days must understand that this call comes to us. That we are to leave. We are not to touch the unclean things. Because they contaminate. And because they will ruin our witness. And so as we are called, brothers and sisters, we want to be prepared for this last days, and whatever that might bring, bring. We need to understand that we are called to a life of holiness, and we are to cleanse ourselves, the apostle instructs us, perfecting holiness, all filthiness, flesh or spirit, carnal or mental, whatever it might be, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. But that's not all we're called to. We're also called to suffering. I know it sounds like a great sermon already. Um, we're also called to suffering in First um, Peter. When the the scripture was recorded, the Spirit of God had to say this in chapter number two: "For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps." We're interested. In the power of his resurrection. But in the fellowship of his sufferings, probably not so much. Many of you, my dear brothers and sisters, have already in your lifetime suffered much. Personal trials, tragedies, things that have happened in your families, things that may have happened to yourself. I don't suggest that suffering has not happened. But we were kind of complaining, a little bit like spoiled children, I think, during covid and that doesn't hold a candle to what many brothers faithful brothers and sisters have gone through now i know it was disturbing it was disturbing for me it troubled me it bothered me i didn't like what was happening and um, i suppose i did my own bit of social disobedience to some degree or other when it comes to some of the impossible edicts that were coming down from the throne in sacramento but just the same christ suffered for us and he set us an example, and we are called to follow his example. And that is the way of the cross. And yet, of course, we're going to live our life in such a way that we don't want, we're going to want, want to be healthy. We want things to go well. We want to be responsible. We want to do things that are right. And, and we, we just don't, you know, we, we want to avoid that as much as possible. Of course, that's true. But And by the grace of God, we can, and and to some degree, some things happen in our life, but suffering for the Lord Jesus is what we're really referring to here. Suffering for doing the will of God, suffering for being committed to the will of God. Loved ones, are we willing to suffer for Christ's sake? Can we remember that ill that God blesses is good, and unblessed good is ill? And all is right that seems most wrong, if it be his sweet will. We think of suffering as an enemy, but there's a fellowship with Christ. And this is why, though some of these scriptures might be hard on the flesh, they're important for us as a church. For we have a responsibility and a mission in the last day, and that is to be a light and a beacon and to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ that others might see, others might hear, others might know. Just as the Lord Jesus was able to show through his life and by his speech, by his deeds, by his works, and all that he did, the will of the Father, you and I are called to the same thing. As we are called to a life of holiness, as we are called to suffer for Christ, we're also called to love for Christ. When the Lord Jesus uh, said it this way in John chapter 13, it is a calling to love A new commandment I've given to you. And I'm sure 99% of us already know what this new commandment is because it's emphasized throughout the scripture. I'm sure it's emphasized across our pulpits, and it's good because it should be. That ye love one another as I have loved you. That qualifies it. As I have loved you. And by this, all men shall know that you're my children if you have loved one for another. This past week, I heard of the... um, the need to, perhaps in small groups, have close-knit fellowship and so forth. When I think of our churches, when I th- and, and I, th- I read verses like this, I think that we really are meant to be a community as, a, as, a, as local congregations and as a brotherhood, a community that demonstrates the love of God to a lost and dying world. We have people all around us. We may not see them until we pray and ask God to show them to us, who are suffering so much in their sin, who are in times of, of great despair. Yes, God may use us to reach those that are high and mighty and, and everything is going great. But not many mighty are called, the Bible says. But when we meet people in their in their valleys, when we when God when we ask the Lord to direct us to those that are in uh, in, in this time of, of great shame or fear in their lives. And we can bring the gospel to them. It is because we've been called to love that they can see that the gospel works. The love of God is not just a concept, but you see it being played out and worked out between the brothers and sisters when they learn to work together, when they're able to share one another's, carry one another's burdens. And brothers and sisters, I have to ask myself, really, all these things apply to me just as much as they apply to you and you know that. But I have to ask myself, is my love at times a bit too selective? Who I spend, and what I, what I mean by that is in the church setting or whenever we have gatherings or fellowship or, or maybe even then not, but just throughout the week. Am I too selective in whom I'm going to spend my time with? Yes, I need to spend time with my wife and my children. That's my, my greatest joy in an earthly sense. But what about those who, are, who never get attention? Do you have no wallflowers at your church? Nobody who just always seems to find the door as soon as the service is over because they just too feel uncomfortable to, it's either shyness and my problems, who knows what it is. But we are called to love and our love should not be selective. Our love should be freely flowing, freely we receive, freely we give. Loved ones, we have been called by God. Brothers and sisters, we are a church. We are the church. We are in the church. Let me put it this way. We are in the church of the last days. And in the church of the last days, we are confronted by things that surprise us and things that we're not expecting always. And we want to be equipped for that. Because if we're not, God can't use us. You know, as we speak about the callings here, maybe it's a little bit like you would think that, well, why didn't you mention we're called to spread the gospel? Isn't that like the most obvious thing? Well, yes it is. But you know what? If 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 we're not if we're not if we're touching unclean things, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If perfecting holiness in the fear of God is not somewhere in our top 10 list, and if we really do all that we can for the comforts of the flesh, don't want any suffering, don't want the cross, we we actually we might say that we deny ourselves, but 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 the works actually show that we're indulging ourselves. If we're the type if we're the type that we bicker and we argue over things that are not necessary. Things that we, we, we de- debate over the wrong types of things. What, probably better that the gospel, they hear the gospel from somebody else. The lost need to hear the gospel from those whose lives are sanctified. Those who live holy lives. It was the it was the divine objective of the gospel all along. Ephesians chapter 4. This is not just a concept. This is not just a, a nice theory. This is the divine objective of the gospel. This is how the gospel has been worked out. This is what the grace of God accomplishes. Ephesians four twenty-four. 24. And that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and in true holiness. This is what we are called to. And if we are no longer walking in this way, God is not going to be able to use us. It's better that he finds somebody else that he can use. No, loved ones, we don't want that. We want to be the people that God can also delight to use. We talked about delighting ourselves in the Lord. I pray that God would delight in us. But in these last days, we as a church, we are called to holiness. We will be called to suffer for the sake of Christ. And we are called to walk in the love of God. It's my prayer. It's my, it's my plea. It's, it really is with all my heart that we take this reminder from the Word of God. It's not from me, it's from the Word of God that this is what we are called to. And it is our privilege to answer the call like Abraham. And, dear friend, one more time, what could I say to help you understand your need of a Savior? There are many people who don't think they need a Savior at all. I have no sin, I don't need His blood. I don't need a Savior. Many people think that way. The vast majority of the world seems to think that way. But we want you to understand that you need Him. We pray that you recognize that. Answer His call. May God bless His word.
1: Let's pray together. Our Father, our God. thy scriptures, thy word has been opened once again to us. The call has gone out. The call has gone out to our dear friends that have seen it important to be here this week, to be online this week, to hear thy word being preached and spoken about. You've told them that they need you. You've given them evidence of your faithfulness and your ability to save those. Even though their sins would be as scarlet, you have promised they could be white as snow. They could be fully redeemed and their past could be fully forgotten as they would yield their lives to you. We pray, Lord, that they would take that step tonight and that they would choose you as Lord and Savior of their life. We're thankful for the call that has gone out to me and my brothers and sisters in you. The men and women of God you have called us to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, that our commitment, our covenant relationship that we have made when we entered into the watery grave of baptism, we might never forget. And that commitment and that calling would go forth into our families that we might be the men, the fathers, the grandfathers that your word instructs us to be. That we could be the workers in our church, that we could be found fitly formed together, working in unity and in concert with your Holy Spirit and your word, that we could be a bright and shining light in the dark communities that we live, that, Lord, your word would go forth in truth and in power, and it will change the lives of many others. Lord, you've called us to be your ambassadors We can only be your ambassadors if we know you intimately, personally, daily. And so we pray, Lord, that we would seek that close fellowship with you as our first parents did in the first days in the garden. They enjoyed, they delighted, they rested in you. And we pray, Lord, that tonight we might, fully understand that call, that we could fully understand the commitment, the covenant relationship we've made with you, and that we would want to follow and be true and faithful to the very end. We're thankful, Lord, that you've given us the strength and the wherewithal to do that by thy Holy Spirit that lives in our lives, that has been promised and is sealed with the demarcation on our heart's door, that you, that we are your children. We thank you, Lord, now for all this and pray it in your son, Jesus Christ, who's made it possible through his death, his resurrection, and his intercession on our behalf. In whose name we pray, amen. Amen.